time to sit down and interview what some people in the entertainment business do. So sit back and relax, and you will see there's so many talented people on Understudy. Hello everyone, how are we doing? Thank you for joining us on another episode of Understudied. I hope everyone is having a good week. I started to get a couple of auditions this week, so happy days. I think the industry is starting to slowly but surely come back to us, which is really great news. And now it's time for me to introduce to you our next guest. I'm really excited about our next guest. Our next guest is Tim McNeil. For those of you who don't know who Tim is, Tim is an actor, writer, director and teacher. He's one of the teachers at the Stella Adler Academy in Los Angeles and he's an absolute profound and amazing human being. I don't want to talk too much about him and hype him up too much because I I really just want you to get in and see this but for those of you who want to pursue acting or any form of writing or directing in that industry this is a must listen. Tim is... I don't know anyone else who has so much understanding of of theatre, of acting, of character work than Tim. Tim really changed my life in terms of my acting abilities. I really learned so much from Tim, how to get into a character, how, how to fight for a character. So if anyone has an interest in writing, you can learn a lot from Tim because he's... He talks about a lot of big thematic stuff. Uh, anyone who has an interest in acting or the Stella Adler technique, this is the man to listen to. So, without further ado, let's get into it. There's so many talented people on Understudy. So, I'm going to give you a bit of an introduction just for anyone that is listening. This is Tim McNeil, and you're going to give yourself a brief little introduction after me in case I missed anything. But Tim is a writer is a teacher at the Stella Adler Academy, is um, a director, he's an all-around humanist, fights for everyone's rights, um, and what else am I missing, Tim? Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. I'm an actor, too. Yeah. You're an actor? Your first yeah. actual role was in Forrest Gump. That's correct. I, yes. was, I, I, I watched it for the first time. I know this is so sacrilegious, but I watched it for the first time two days ago. What do you think? I, I love the film. The film is great, you know, and I was just <laughs> I was just watching it and I seen him running and that's like, there's Tim. Tim. I took a picture yeah. and I was to send it to you. It's a pretty good first part, right? Yeah. What was that like? I mean, it, was it as big as we know it now to be when you got the uh, when you got the part? Well, I knew it was a big movie as far as the budget went mm. and the stars, of course. And um, so it was my first experience with it, but I had no idea it was going to be that big until Bonnie and I, my wife, we were at uh, Universal after the movie opened and we walked up. We were going to see another movie because we'd already seen Forrest Gump and we walked up to the counter to get some popcorn. And the yeah. guy saw me, he recognized me from the movie, and he imitated me. But <laughs> <laughs> I did with the t-shirt, so I thought, oh shit, this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna be a very big movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was really crazy. Oh man. Yeah, like I mean that's a that's a good start of your TV career or your movie career, right? Just do yeah. 
What have you had you done before this at at this moment in time? Were you doing a lot of theater, or did you just all, finish? All, you know, all theater. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like you. I think that I can't get enough of theater if I don't do a part every year or something. I yeah. go a little cuckoo. <laughs> theater holics. I'll need yeah. to get. I'm trying to get Jake to come over here because I do. On my bucket list is to do long days journey into night with Jake. So we need okay. to get you over here. We'll need, oh, man. You know, that would be amazing. We'll yeah. try and get it in the West End at some point. <laughs> that's that's the dream. That's my goal. That's before I die, I will do that um, play. Yeah. Um, you introduced me to that play. And you, you, I mean, it's safe to say for, the, for anyone that's viewing this, guys, Tim McNeil is someone that's very dear to my heart. This guy, and I'm going to ask him a lot of questions, and I think he's really in for a great treat because this guy not only teaches what it's like to be an actor but it, he teaches what it's like to be an artist and the difference we'll get into but this man has really opened up my world to how to fight for a character and how to chase the, the really inner struggles and what it means and it's not just learning lines getting into your character work but does it does it the theme you know is important and how that uh, translate and i mean I, i'm sure that's you know training from Stella and then, and then becoming a, a writer, being an actor has probably made such a huge difference in how you write because, again, a lot of times you describe to me, it's all about rights. You know, the theme for you is it's all about rights, rights of people. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I, I think there's a couple of things. The first is that I think actors have a leg up. If, they're, if, they're, if they come from training such as ours, Mm. They have a leg up on uh, the writing process because they're able to project themselves into the circumstance. Right. And to really experience uh, at times what the character does. And, you know, I, I teach the writing workshop and I'm always interested in pushing that particular ability of the actors to understand their characters in the circumstance a little bit deeper. And so... I, I think the interesting thing about Stella's too, Kian, is that it is such a foundational experience uh, and a platform for jumping off into the other aspects of being an, uh, an artist in our business, mm. whether it's directing or writing or producing or anything actually that pertains to making, uh, telling stories, because our training is so centered on uh the circumstance and the understanding of circumstance but also depth of character and i think that makes for that's the foundation of of any great artist in our business is the understanding of a particular character in a particular circumstance you know mm. and i so, think that, that that's what moved me about stella's right away i think how did you what was the how did you get into stella how, what was this, what made you move that way? Well, you know, it's an odd thing. I, uh, I was told by my teacher in Houston, I mean, she was a wonderful lady, but she really just put us out there and let us play. You know, she didn't really teach us technique or anything. And at some point I had been uh, doing a lot of plays in Houston and she said, you have to get some technique. And I said, what's that? You know, I didn't know what technique was. <laughs> so, 
she said, well, it's something that'll help you to develop character and understand things better. And she said, you need to go to Los Angeles or you need to go to New York and you need to study with either Stella or Lee Strasberg. Right. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. And I didn't even think twice about it. I didn't even, even investigate it in any way. And when I got to Los Angeles, I was very lucky because one day I was driving past the school mm -hmm. uh, and I saw the sign and I said, stop, stop the car because I, I wasn't driving. My roommate was. Yeah. She, she stopped the car and I walked in and I interviewed with them and uh, they said to come back and do some work. I mean, see a play. I went back and saw the play that weekend and I thought, wow, this is different from what I had been experiencing. And so I signed up and that was it. Yeah, it was uh, it was luck. I right. felt very, I feel very lucky to this day that I drove past the school. So was your first class in the Stella Academy with Stella? No, or uh, my first class was a technique class with a guy named Arthur Mendoza, who left Stella's and became pretty um, uh, a pretty well-known teacher in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I was very, very shy, Kian. So I, I would try and avoid doing the exercises at all costs. <laughs> and, but I, I slowly came into myself, and that's what Stella's does. You know, it pulls us. Yeah. It pulls what we have out of us. And, uh, yeah. But I, I was trying to avoid the exercises. <laughs> so next time I see I'm in your class and I see someone being a bit shy and you give out to them, I'm going to go, well, Tim, in fairness, <laughs> you said <laughs> well, to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because everyone has to, has to work in your class. Everyone. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think, you know, you get a, a lot from listening and seeing, but you also get a lot from doing and mistakes. So when when was it that you first seeing Stella in a, in a class? Well, I think it was a year into my studies at Stella's and Stella was there teaching the master class. And I kept hearing about Stella, you know, and cause you couldn't, we could not at the class, we had to sign up for the class. And um, one day I, I talked to the head of the school and she said, well, you need to do some work in Stella's class, but I didn't have any money to do that. So they allowed me to drive her. And that's when I began to study with Stella. And I was in her class for about three years. It was off and on uh, in the master class is what she called it. Mm. It was master class and studying with her. And it was overwhelming the experience, you know? Yeah. So you were her driver. You must have some crazy stories. I, I mean, because not only have you been in class with her, but you got to see what she was like outside of class. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, I'll tell you, Kiana, she was very intimidating to me. Hmm. It was, I think it was, it was not that she wasn't kind because she was, but she was my teacher and um, she had a very powerful intellect. Mm. And it was a bit intimidating. Um, but I remember the first time I went to pick her up, the the head of the school, Irene Gilbert, she said to me, whatever you do, don't stop. Just bring her straight to class. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. You know, I thought that was weird, you know. Yeah. Of course, that's what I'm here to do, pick her up and drive her to class. 
And so we're driving along. And at some point she says to me, Tim, I'd like a margarita and a taco. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. We'll tell her we have to get to class, you know? And she goes, oh, yes, class. Yeah. <laughs> we just drove to class. And it was always so strange with Stella. Like yeah. one time we were driving along and there was a gas station and it was an odd gas station, but it's still, you could, anybody could tell it was a gas station, but she turned and she looked at it and it was all lit up and everything, a Los Angeles kind of gas station. And, <clears throat> and uh, she said, Tim, what's that? And I said, uh, uh, that's a gas station, Stella. And she goes, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because in New York, they're not as frequent yeah. is it is that is that what it was yeah. yeah i think that's what it was but she was also she always seemed a little bit out of time you know right a little um, bit like uh blanche yeah a, a little bit in from another place another time uh, i mean her maybe, teachings were very very you know out of her time anyway i mean yeah. what what she was teaching at that moment in time, I mean, you, you just beforehand, it was just Brando, right? That she taught and she she made a way. And then even he, like everyone was shocked by, wow, what is Brando doing? So yeah. it was just kind of after this, at this point where like well, a little bit later, these are starting, more and more actors are starting to come and, and, and learn from this guru. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's because I felt the same with Joanne, you know, uh, Miss Joanne Linville, who was a teacher. Um, in Stella and she was how old was she when she retired 91 uh, I think 91 yeah she was 91 when she retired and so I, I had the pleasure I was I was able to get her class but she was very profound you know she would say um some things were very hard to to understand you know it was like very metaphorical in some cases and you have to ponder it and then you're like oh okay but sometimes then when she just come up with some absolute profound stuff you know and, and and she was in her own world and then she'd come out or come back to reality and just say something you're like wow where were you like where are you in the future right you know i was uh, imagine this for a second kian i would go from my class with joanne in the afternoon and then prepare for my class with stella in the evening wow so I studied with Joanne for maybe eight years. I don't know how long it was, but I never, I could not get enough of it. Yeah. And she actually, with Stella, they laid the foundation for not only uh, my teaching, but also my writing. So. Wow. Okay. I was yeah. saved by them, really. Saved yeah. by them. You know? I mean, I think I remember her talking about um, Brando one time. She had a good relationship with Joanne with Brando, and she was saying, you know, a lot of times with Brando, he, he had to put this on because his mother was struggling and, and he wanted to make her feel good. And when she when she was explaining it, how empathetic she was, it was like she was there and she was Brando and, and, and how she it was just so memorizing to look at this this woman that just knew all these people that you you grow up adoring and, and idolizing. And she just knew these people and knew the innermost struggles of why people do what we do you know and one question i want to ask you i i want to i want to talk a lot about stella you know because i love for people to just to, to get a glimpse of the training i got and the training that, that that you got because 
for me, especially in the UK, a lot of people do a lot of Meisner, which is so many similarities to Stella, but not a lot of people. There's not a Stella school here. You know, I think Meisner made it here. There's a lot of Meisner schools, but there's not a lot of Stella schools. And I want to kind of change that. Yeah. Um, so I'd love for people just to understand what Stella uh, is. So in what is the Stella technique, if you could break it down for people who, if they were asking you? You know, I, th I think about Stella's in a, one particular way, well, in multiple ways, but this idea, um, the, the technique is designed or, or about an actor creating a specific character in a specific circumstance. Mm -hmm. And that's a sort of general seeming idea, but the execution of that is really where the journey of an actor takes place because how we create a specific character uh, is is the root of our work in the way that we at Stella's perceive it, but also the understanding of circumstance and the depth of circumstance. That particular journey is the journey of an artist. And so that that's partly how I see it, but I think there's two pillars to Stella's work. And the one is the use of the imagination <clears throat> and the other is script analysis. Yeah. You know, how you understand the script is how you're going to play, all things being equal, you know, mm -hmm. and Stella was a master at script analysis. And I think the use of the imagination is expansive and important for all artists, you know. And when when you say like imagination, because two things I like to explain to people, it's, it's first of all, I don't know anyone that's go, that's gonna give you a more accurate or more specific um, teaching of of script analysis and script breakdown. And I know Stella once said, you know, we shouldn't be called actors; we could, should be called acting interpreters. And I think that's the first job, you know, coming from Stella is is you have to know the script. You have to. You have to understand that. And you can't bring it to you but you have to rise to the level of the script Absolutely. and and the second one is is imagination and imagination is such a you know vague term when you say it like that but when when we were in class it's always imagination specifically yeah and and so would you be able to run through what it is to be specific in the technique of imagination well look, i, I let me just say this, that if you can use your imagination to create background and memory in your character, and that, that thing that you create moves you, now you are connected to the circumstance. Right. And that's really what we're teaching, how to create memory that moves you through your imagination, not mm -hmm. your memories, yeah. obviously, but the character's memories. Yeah. And that's the, but, but it's also even more than that, of course, Key, and it's, it's how do we imagine circumstance? How do, we, how, how do we believe in this idea of an actor in circumstance? Like I, I was always so blown away by when we did Three Sisters by the idea when I was playing Tuzenbach that I could look out and I was experiencing trees that weren't there or, mm. yeah. you know, and, and that's something that actors all have to do, whether it's Strasbourg or 
but we put such a focus on that specificity and, yeah. and the clearness and how we are moved by what we create that I think it's um, it's one of the strengths of the Adler technique, one of the many. Strengths. Yeah, definitely. And I remember even when I went into Laura's class, uh, Laura Levy's class in Tech One, and one of the first things we learn about is, is building that, the four walls, what's what's above you, what's below you, what's to the sides, what's the, what's the trees, whereabouts are you as a mountain? It's very, very specific. It's not, oh yeah, there's a couple of trees there. It's like, no, bullshit, because you don't see them trees. What yeah. do the trees look like? You know, what's the smell? Is it a seaside smell? Is it, you know, and she's, she was very like that too. Yeah. Um, when you were, because how we, we, in your class, we would start off when to exercise, we would use uh, imagination exercises, right? And we do that for like an hour. And Sometimes, yeah. yeah, how you took us through that, you know, you, you would, it was something very sweet at the start, very specific. And then you could take us to a bridge where someone is about to, you know, take their own life and how you get moved. I mean, everyone's, you know, opening their eyes in tears. Yeah. Is that something that you created or was that something you kind of took from Stella? You know, Stella would walk an actor through an imaginative, an imaginative circumstance. Right. Uh, and, I was always, I was always impressed by the specificity of it, and also by the how connected the actor would be afterwards. Mm. And so I realized that if I was teaching technique, that you know the use of the imagination. If we're going to say that the imagination is our greatest tool, I'm going to have to help the actors to strengthen their imagination. So I started. I think it was in 2004 or so I started to do imagination exercises with the actors at the beginning and then they just expanded and I began to see that the actor's ability to use the imagination was greatly expanding and the specificity mm. of it, of course. So I just started adding on and creating that. I, I always have this idea that I need to talk to someone that works in neurosciences to bring them in to ask them exactly, you know, what's happening here. It's just yeah. a deep expansion of the powers of the imagination, I think. I mean, yeah. you you could tell me more about how you experienced it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I, I was talking to people, um, you know, and, and trying to explain to them what it is. And, 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 you know, like people that maybe come from a Strasbourg uh, background, and I, I try to be open because I don't want to say like my technique is the best. You know, I'm like, listen, if it works for you and you're moved, great. But, you know, when you come from a uh, Strasbourg technique and you're using your own emotion and how real that is for you, I would say the same with, 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 with imagination. I say, look at anxiety. Anxiety is literally imagination. It's, it's, it's what could be that is moving you to, to tremble, to give you panic attacks. And that's how strong the imagination was and i remember my first kind of big uh thing with, with imagination i was in um scene study one i was doing lonesome west and i was playing uh, the father the priest and what i wanted to do was um i wanted to have the 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 memory of dragging the body out of the water um and i'm practicing everything laura was saying that you were saying and, and i took so what I like to do was I like to get into the shower, turn my lights off, 
and feel the shower on me because that heightens my my other senses other than my, my eyes. So then I start, you know, going into it and, and you know, imagine bringing this guy out. I remember even now so vividly the smell of the, 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 the salt water, but how cold his 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 white body was. And it really freaked me out when I thought, because it was so vivid to him. And I, yeah. I, I really, I, I felt it. And I was, you know, I was in the dark and I was in the shower. And luckily my, my switched light was like right beside my shower. So I, I switched the light on. I really, I scared myself. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I was like, that's it. That's what, yeah. that's it. Because I don't need to do the shower thing anymore. I know that feeling now. Yeah. You know, and I, I know what that's like. And that was, that was for my plugging in. Yeah, that's what I use that for. And for guys who don't know, so Stella, we talk about plugging in. There's a moment before the scene starts that you need to get connected to the circumstance and to to the 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 the, the situation and the place around you. So, like we said, we need to remember, like we need to be looking vividly. So, am I plugging in? I was sitting beside a lake, so I need to get exactly what was going on in that lake, the, the the smell, the feel, how cold it was, what I'm seeing. And then that memory kind of grounds me into it. And then, you know, the 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 scene goes from there. But but how how do you see plugging in? I mean, how important is plugging in for an actor? Uh well, it's everything, you know. And if I could just say one other thing, I always believe this about actors because I've seen it for the 21 years now that I've been training them, that if they can use the imagination specifically. Mm. there will be no part that they can't play there right. will be some parts that they won't be cast as like i believe that i could really play the shit out of blanche dubois but yeah. no one's gonna <laughs> cast me that way you know what? yeah i believe somehow i understand blanche dubois but that's not you know but anyway if you can use it specifically you know you there the range of an actor increases um but you know the plugging in is crucial because, and it's especially crucial, you know, you know, I think one other thing, there's, there's a certain misconception about Stella's work that it's really uh, a theater technique, but the truth is yeah. that Stella's work is uh, probably even more important for film actors, simply film and television, simply because we are called on to use our imagination so specifically and so deeply all the time. Mm. Uh, but, but the plugging in moment is so important. And it, I, I f was so happy when I started to work in the business as an actor, because I always knew that before the camera rolled, that was the most important moment for an actor. If you don't plug into the circumstances, you're not going to believe in those circumstances in the way that you need to. Yeah. And that's what that plugging in moment really is. It's how do I get connected to the belief in the circumstance? And, yeah. you know, and I've seen Tim, like so many people, um, I've done a lot of, you know, workshops over here. I've also done a couple of movies. Um, and I've seen so many people when they sit, when the cameraman and director says action, they just go. And I, like I've said it to a couple of people, I, I don't want to be overstepping my boundaries. I mean, because they're an artist and I'm an artist. They've worked really hard. I've worked really hard. I'm not a director, but I just sometimes want to say to them, hey, listen, action just means it's your, you're in control. 
you take your time, you plug in. The, the camera, it just means the camera's rolling. You can take as much time as you want because fuck them, you're in charge now until they yeah. say cut. So I, I, it's it really, I don't get it, you know. And people, I think, see me, I'm kind of freaked out when I'm on, um, you know, these Zoom workshops, a lot of cast directors. I, I take a lot of Kennedy's things also. I take the audible exhales. Yeah. And I go, right, like, if I can't plug in completely, I'm just doing this right now. I'm going to, where, where is it coming from? And I, I exhale to get this adrenaline up and to let me take my time, to let me see the person and then go for it. And people don't know what I'm doing, you know, they think I'm crazy, <laughs> but it moves me, you know, it, it really does. It really helps. You know, I think um, all of the classes that I've, I'm able to take things from and Stella really work so hand in hand. I think that the, the way the class the structures are, are really beautiful, really beautiful. So, I mean, from my part, the teaching that you have done and the teaching that all your teachers have done are like vital. I, I can't really understand how I was able to act beforehand, you know, when I know what I know now. And of yeah. course, I'm still learning, you know, but you yeah. Know I, I, you know what I kind of thought it was for me? Because when I arrived at Stella's, I had an intuitive ability, an intuitive talent like yeah. you. You know, yeah. when you arrived at Stella's, you had an intuitive talent. And what, hap what, would, what happened to me and probably what happened to you a bit was that that talent was set aside for a while while mm -hmm. you learned to function and you learned a process of acting. Yeah. And once that process became clear to you, then your intuitive talent came back to it. Right. And so for about, there were about six months while I was at Stella's where you know, it was, it was a, a real grind. And then all of a sudden something clicked and the process sort of freed up my intuitive talent. And that's, that's what we're always looking for. All the teachers at Stella's mm. is the moment where an actor begins to find their, their yeah. freedom again. You know, I was actually talking about someone as well at uh, your day about the Stella school and, and the mentality, because like, how, how like did you have to audition? How hard it was it? And I said, no, Stella's ethos in, is this, is that we want to see, well, like, this is what they told me, like Alex. And, and I said, we want to see if you have an aptitude to learn, if you are, are serious about uh, taking direction and learning and, and how, how punctual you are. Because our belief is, is that, we're supposed to be giving you the tools to act. So I don't want Laurence Olivier coming in or, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis coming in. We don't need the best actors because we're going to help you get there. And that's our, you know, job as a school. And I know other schools do it differently. You know, there's, some of the criteria is quite heavy, but I really like our school for how they do that. Say, look, we, we want to know if you can learn, if, you're, if you have the willingness to learn. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll teach you. We'll give you the tools, but you have to take that on. Because Stella's idea was that she wasn't teaching acting so much as she was teaching life. And so what she wanted to do, and we fought, there's been always struggle in, at Stella's about the idea of whether we should be auditioning and how heavy the auditions should be. But Stella never wanted auditions. She wanted people to come with an open heart and ready to work. And if they did, they could stay at the school. If they didn't, they would be asked to move on, you know? Yeah, because and you then, do have that like monologue at the, at the 
end of the first year, right, where you, you do perform for them and, and it's like a mock audition. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, but you know, the, I think the most amazing thing for me and the most rewarding by far is to see somebody come in with what somebody would look at and say is a person with minimal talent for acting and to, to see them flower in that second year, you know, yeah. and to become actors. And yeah. that is by far the most rewarding thing for, I think, all the teachers at Stellas, you know. Mm. Yeah, I've seen it myself, you know, people that were not the best uh, coming in and, and, and taking that on board. And, and, and it's amazing to see because you're like, wow, it's, it's, it's not just progress in acting, but it's progress in life, right? Because you learned something that is totally that alien to you. And you've become open-minded and learned to take it. And, and in, in my life, I've learned so much because I've learned that, you know, my don't marry your choices, you know, and, and, and that doesn't just apply to acting, but into my life, you know, don't marry my opinion on politics. Don't marry my opinion on anything. And you know what Che actually once said as well, which really opened, and I talked to him, did a podcast with him. He used to say things like, I believe this 60%. And I was like, you know what? That's a great thing. I don't have to. I don't have to agree with everything 100% because I have to be able to be versatile enough to listen to other people and change. Yeah. So, I mean, Stella, I, I don't know. It's so profound. And I'm trying to, you know, get everything in because I want everybody to experience what I got. But I'm just so excited here talking to you about it. You know, there was, there was, there was another thing. <clears throat> in Chekhov was big for Stella. Chekhov. And... Uh, she would quote occasionally she would uh, uh, Chekhov's quote my work began to grow when I realized I knew nothing it's, um, also Sophocles no he said something similar I'd have yeah I, I knew uh, I, I learned that I know nothing at all right and yeah. and for us that's sort of that should be the motto over the door of the school yeah, yeah. <laughs> To forget your ego, surrender it, come on in and, and let's get to work and open up yourself to the experience yeah. of things, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, like you weren't, um, when Stella was teaching, you, you weren't actually allowed to do Chekhov. She was very against a lot of actors doing it, right? Yeah, and uh, Ruffalo and I, we were in school together and uh, we loved Chekhov greatly, deeply, profoundly and still do. Yeah, and the idea was we kept working on uh, on a scene from Chekhov, the uh, scene between uh, Vanya and Astroff, uh, where he's uh, Astroff is trying to get his morphine back, and we kept working on that scene with the goal of getting to perform it in front of Stella because she had more to say about Chekhov than yeah. anybody alive probably. And so finally, she said we could do Chekhov. We did it. And she said, okay, these actors can do Chekhov in the future as well. <laughs> we, were, we were very happy because... That was, that that's was a fun. humbling thing. That's a humbling yeah. thing. Yeah, because <clears throat> her love for Chekhov was, is, it was and still is overwhelming, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's the same with you. You have such strong feelings on it because of um, Stella, I assume. I mean, you are really, really... I never met a bigger Chekhov fan than you and Bruce, I think. <laughs> and it's so funny because you and Bruce have two different ideas of Chekhov, you know? It's amazing to see that. I mean, I, I believe that two of you are so profound. And it's that's the the beauty of acting. The beauty yeah. of life is that two experts can can 
can differ, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a, it's amazing to see. What was yeah. what was the first scene you ever did with Stella to in Stella's class? Uh, it was called "A Memory of Two Mondays" uh, by Arthur Miller. Okay. And uh, again, Ruffalo and I did that, and uh, and it was amazing, Kian, because you know every every class you would get something remarkable back, you know, just about. And uh, we did the scene and she really liked the scene. And we were very happy because a lot of times, you know, she would be very difficult hmm. about choices and things like that. But she seemed to like our choices quite a bit. And uh, I was playing a character who was uh, a warehouseman. And in the play, he speaks uh, poetry. So when I did the poetry in the scene, I spoke it like a, an actor. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And when we were about ready to leave the stage, and I never forget this because Ruffalo and I shook hands and we were about ready to stand up and she said, oh, uh, Tim, he's not a poet. He's a warehouseman. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, made me crazy for a while because... That's the specificity that she expected for character. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So was was her masterclass scene study or was it a character class or was it like a culmination of a lot of things? You know, it was, it was, uh, it was mostly a scene class. And then right. it was also really script analysis. And she would, uh, she for the first 30, 45 minutes of the class, she would lecture on great playwrights which was <laughs> quite, quite amazing. Um, but the interesting thing about it was that they would, when she would do the master class, it was open to people at the school who were accepted into it, but there were also other people outside of the school who wanted to study with Stella and they had to audition and there were some famous people and they would audition and they would get into the class. But after the first day of class, when her expectations became clear to the people from outside of the school. Well, there was a lot of room to work. You know what I'm saying? They kind yeah. of stepped back. So me and Ruffalo and all the people at the school, Chris Thornton and, you know, Jack Rogers, we filled in those gaps because they needed yeah. students to work and we were ready to work. We, yeah if any chance we got to perform in front of or work in front of Stella was a gift. And so we were doing that. Has she ever chewed you out? I mean, I remember uh, seeing the video, but and I believe you were there for this class where she gave uh, Ruffalo a hard time because he stole the dress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah she told him he stole. He, no, she said, uh, where'd you get that costume? It's inadequate or something. And he said, I stole it. And uh, yeah. And but she told me I had no soul one time, but I'll get one. And I thought, wow. oh, that's that's crazy. Where yeah. do I go? The soul store, you know. I was just a little. It was yeah. difficult. I mean, you know, I'm in two minds of things because, <clears throat> you know, nowadays, if you were to say some of the stuff Stella said, you would be really in trouble. And a lot of people are quite sensitive, but I'm from like, when I was in Ireland too, I studied from a really old school teacher. And like, I mean, 
I, I sometimes like that kind of teaching. Look, it, it is hard, it is rough, but but it's tough out there. Yeah. You know, so if you can't if you can't take what I'm about to say to you, you know, what, what about when you're starving, you're trying to get apart and people are rough to you. And I think, you know, maybe sometimes you can go about it differently, of course, you know, and there's there's room to be gentle in some instances, but I think sometimes when you're too gentle with people it goes over the head a bit too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the you know, in the 21 years I've been teaching Tien, things have changed remarkably about, you know, how people ha- are used to be, you know, what they're used to as far as being taught. Yeah. And so, you know, there's been a little bit of an adjustment. We, we keep to the same high standards yeah. that we've always had, but uh, maybe, you know, there's, not not as much <laughs> yelling and stuff and uh more oh, there's still a bit of yelling yeah there's still... <laughs> i mean you, you you've definitely threatened to stab me in the eye with a pen yes on numerous yeah. occasions so. yeah and you know that that that's for effect of course and hopefully <laughs> make you laugh a little bit but i'll tell you it's it's uh you know the only time i'm really getting upset um is when actors aren't working to their ability you know yeah and that's that's the whole thing you know yeah if, if you perceive an actor is not doing their best then mm. that's when you have to really make sure they understand that idea yeah because i i believe that you know it's an art form it's not accounting so when you when you get to it when you realize a level it's really crucial that an actor doesn't drop below that level and they yeah always bring that kind of consistency not not just for their work but so that they can expand their work even mm. further you know no I, yeah i agree it reminds me of um jake as well i talk about jake a lot in his podcast because i think he's a great um example like you said you know you and mark ruffalo and, and chris thornton use it all fill the space jake always wanted to work always oh, yeah. he, he was now you know you couldn't get him to sit down that's yeah. <laughs> you'd have to strap him to his chair but look at how look like he's a phenomenal actor now you know look at where he's come and yeah, yeah. you know it's it's all credit to the people oh, that want to get you know i'm always reminded not all the time but a mm. lot of times i'll ever in the school there's always people who remind me of what it means to be passionate about the art form and you guys yeah. were like that, you know. In fact, your most of your group was like that. They were all, mm. you know, let's expand, let's let's buy in, let's go, yeah, let's change ourselves and our lives, you know. It's amazing. It's it's funny because uh, anyone that hasn't been to the school, usually the the groups start off quite big, and then they get to you know like halfway through the year and they're like oh this is really hard work and really like you know it, it's like you go to school at 9 a.m and you come out at 11 p.m you know yeah. and and but it, it's it's not for everyone so usually you know if it's, if a class is with 15 people usually it's like you know six or seven left and this was what was told to us by all the alumni it's like oh yeah you have 15 now but you're gonna you're gonna be like four by the end of this because of how <laughs> hard it was you know yeah. Right. I think we were lucky because we had a lot of international students, so we had no choice. We couldn't take breaks, so we couldn't. So yeah. we 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 actually we didn't lose that many people. We lose maybe two or three people. In, in... Each, you know, each group, Kian has its own sort of ethos, its own yeah. sort of nature. 
and uh, you guys had a lot of natural leaders and actors in that group and the focus was really there you know so yeah. and that's mostly what we have but occasionally occasionally there's a group that comes through that gets a little scattered you know and mm. they don't grow as much as we want that's yeah. something you know that's a problem for us but um yeah yes we touched on you know you're talking about uh you know being an artist and, and art forms and I'd like to ask a couple of questions around this. What is your definition of an artist? I, I, th I think that I approach the idea of artistry um, through uh, specificity and also through the ability to communicate a story. Right. That's because I'm an actor, writer, director, you know, uh, other... Yeah art forms are going to think of art artistry in a different way but for me it's the ability to to be specific and in that specificity is a sense of the universal that brings people who are watching something to something that touches all you know the majority of people but also the the real idea that if you can move an audience with the ideas of something and through that also the emotional content of a story then there's a certain level of artistry in that mm. i'll never forget the first time i i actually communicated the idea of a piece to an audience and i felt uh astonished by that you know yeah because uh, all the time when i would watch films the ideas of it were always brought through emotion if uh, mm. emotion was communicated to me it made me think um but this time I, I forgot what what it was that i was doing but the an intellectual idea i was able to communicate and it made me feel really uh, uh astonished by that idea that that's possible and i think that's what artistry actually is it's it's also this idea that through that communication you um you connect to that need for unity in the world that's so powerful you know mm. that there is a need for people to believe in the possibilities of change yeah and the possibilities of love and all those things that and all the other things that we want inherently and deeply to believe in and profoundly and to me that's artistry you know um yeah wow so you kind of answer this but my follow-up question usually is what do you think the responsibility of an artist is and you've kind of talked about it but is there yeah. anything you want to say anything else like i mean you know a lot of people are like you know should artists be involved in politics and, and should they not be involved in politics and using the platform what well, do you think the responsibility is of an artist well first of all artists before they're even we're just talking about a profession when we talk about artistry artists and they have every right to an opinion as mm -hmm. anyone else and to deny them that is silly it's 
just, just makes me sick. As far as the responsibility, it's certainly a personal responsibility. Hmm. You know, I, it comes from a personal understanding of rights and the challenges that we face to move towards what we call in the United States a more perfect union, you know, mm. a more perfect um, uh, United States of America uh, as far as rights go. Yeah. That's what that means to me. And so that particular idea is, is uh, something that is personal in each person. And sometimes they manifest it in different ways. For instance, I don't have a platform to really speak out, but I do it through my writing yeah. and through the way I direct and what I'm interested in directing and things like that. And I, you know, I, I think everybody will have a, uh, an idea of it. And I don't begrudge anyone who, who doesn't have any interest in speaking out or anything like that. I, mm. I understand that it's a, a deeply personal thing. Uh, there's no, there's no uh, rule book that says an artist must speak, but by that same token, most of them will because they understand, you know, the, the essence of what it is to be human. And when that is threatened, like over here in the States, there's a couple, there's uh, three or four States that have passed transgender laws that are mm. uh cruel, mean-spirited, and a denial of rights, and people are speaking out about that because that's ridiculous and that has to be resisted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that's going on in the States right now, I'm, I'm sure for you, knowing the man that you are, must bother you deeply. Because like you said, you, you've always fought for rights and anytime you explain to us it's always about rights what are and, and how we're infringing or taking away people's rights it's always about fighting for these people yeah. you know and I, I i agree i think that you know what i've learned from stella is um, in, in an artist like a, an entertainer entertains an artist speaks up for people that may not have the voice to do it themselves yeah and and when i have when i did that homeless exercise you know it gave me a reason to speak up for it in my in my art, gives you another thing. You know, it, it, it heightens it for you. It heightens the stakes for you, and I think it's that's why it's so important that artists do speak. You know, and that we learn. But but like we said, there's a lot of people that have platforms that might be um, marrying their first choices. You know, and yeah. and. And, and and that's where I think the problem is for, you know, when people say, like, I remember Ricky Gervais said it, um, and I've said this to a few um, people on my podcast, so it might seem repetitive for anyone listening, but, you know, you know, shut up, take your award and go back. Because I think there's a lot of times people are coming from a privileged position, might be marrying their choices, and that may be what irritates people. But I, I agree. I think that voices still need to be heard. We need to understand even when we don't agree, you know, and I'm glad. But has has what's been going on in America, has has that influenced you to do any writing or work about it? Or how has it affected you? Like the COVID, the, all the, everything with, with the Black Lives Matter movements. And, and, and now with the we can see like the Asian hate, the, the racism towards Asian people. It, it, there's a lot of stuff. 
and then you have the election you know the so it's a lot of stuff happening in a small clump of time you know yeah well you know kian and i think this is probably true in england and in in western europe as well that this is a moment of great transition and that we are fighting here in the States, and I'm sure it's happening in Western Europe and all over Europe, as a matter of fact, that in this moment, we are fighting for a democratic future. And I never thought that that would ever be a question in America, but at the moment, I, ha I have my worries yeah. that there's some powerful forces aligned in the country that want to take away the real essence of democracy in this country. Right. So that that has influenced every bit of my writing and my desire to tell stories because I'm not I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. If I did, I would I wouldn't be able to live with myself, you know. Right. So when when we look at what's happening here in in the states, you know that <clears throat> there's um, there's there's some things that worry me greatly. But the other thing is when we were my wife and I were sitting in our apartment in West Hollywood during the summer and we heard all the, these cars honking, you know, and I looked out my window and I could see the street and I saw hundreds of people walking down our side street, right? Mm. Uh, protesting for Black Lives Matter. Mm. So my, my wife and I, put our shoes on, we ran out and we joined in this protest. And we participated in maybe three or four more. Um, and each time I was struck by the power of it, by mm. sheer volume of people out fighting for the rights of others. Mm. And the, this particular idea is what the far right is trying to put back in the bottle. It's they're trying to uh, oppress or re repress the rights of others. And that's just not going to happen. There's too many people who understand the difference now. Yeah. And so people are awake and I have hope, you know, I, I just don't think anybody in this country is laying down for that kind of mm. stuff. So it's very powerful. It's a beautiful moment, actually, but it's also a thing that sometimes will keep you up at night, and it's a very yeah. dark moment, you know. But is there anything then, like like you said, that keeps you up at night? Is there anything that we can do as artists to help fight for that or heal that pain? Is there some like what what is that like? Do we have a responsibility there? Is my question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I do believe that. A story is still the best way to do that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it's also in, in how we participate in the telling of stories, right? And how we open up ourselves to others in the experience uh, of their artistry. And I, I just think that the activism is can be as simple as writing a check, but it can also be marching. It can also be going down to uh, participating or helping out in any way you can, but it's mostly for us, for you and I, it's in telling stories. Yeah. Um, you know, 
And uh, I think that that's something that the far right doesn't have. They don't have that ability to tell stories, you know, in that particular way. They don't have the stories to tell that are filled with universal truths. They only have the violence in them or the anger or the resentment. Mm. And I think that that puts them at a distinct disadvantage as we move forward. Right. They only have an end game, which is involves guns. That's mm. all they have. And so I don't think that's an end game that can work in this country. I'm going to knock on wood right now. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, you feel that in England, you can feel that kind of yeah. violence that's there. And it's, yep. it's, um, yeah, it's something to be resisted at all times, you know. Of course. Yeah. Have you ever felt like you, like in your whole, like at uh, any point in your career, that have you ever felt that you couldn't speak up or were uncomfortable in speaking up or saying something about anything in particular? No, I mean, I, I will say this, that the thing that's happened with the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter has been a profound influence on my writing because it has made me be more specific when I write uh, a character of color or a woman yeah. than I I mean, I always felt like I was specific, but that need to be more clear, to be to actually challenge my assumptions about something has been a profound change in my writing, you know? How do you do that? Because so, I, I was talking to a, a female friend of mine and, you know, I want to write um, a, a certain story with, which would entail, which would involve one of the leads being, you know, a strong um, black woman. And I'm like, I can't do that without a strong black woman because it's something I'm not familiar with. So I, I don't know fully. So how do you as a man get into writing specifically for, you know, a person of color or, 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 or a, a, a woman, a female? Uh, you know, I, you know I, I think one of... One of the things that I talk about at Stella's is important. I think if you want to learn about the pine tree, go to the pine tree. If you want to learn about the bamboo, go to the bamboo. Yeah. That's a Zen, that's a, that's Zen philosophy. To learn about something, go to the source, you know? Right. Uh, but I also would say this, Kian, that the understanding of circumstance has to happen regardless of what you're writing. If you're writing about uh, Irish men, you know, yeah. um, it's going to have to happen. You have to understand the circumstance. But if you want to write a, a, a Black woman character, make sure that you understand their motivations and their dreams and their goals. And all. to be clear, most of our dreams and ambitions and goals are very similar. The difference, of course, is is what society tells a person of color. Mm. Like nobody's ever told me that, Tim, you can't do things. Or I've always seen me up on the screen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But for yeah. for a person of color, it's something that's changing rapidly, and thank God. But mm. it's harder. It it's 
it's it's the source, you know. I think Chekhov was clear about a couple of things. He was clear about the violence that we do to others and we do to ourselves, which must be resisted. He was clear about dreams and what dreams are and why they matter to us. And the other piece of it is love. And he was very clear about what love is, not just romantic love, but uh, the importance of love in our lives and, and why it sustains us. Um, and for me, that's across the board, regardless of, of color, background, where you were raised, what country you're in. It's, it's a true thing, you know, and you can write those things. Wow. Uh, but Actually, it takes it takes a little bit more work, you know. Yeah, I like work though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually I don't know if I told you I had the absolute pleasure of going to see the three sisters here over here, and it was a Russian theater company that came over to do it. Oh, and wow. they just they just had it in subtitles on the top of the English translation. It was in Russian. Thankfully, I've read the the thing about 10 times so i didn't really need to look at the translation i knew what was going on but i was like <laughs> oh my goodness it's like there's nobody that can do it as right. good as the russians i just couldn't believe what i was seeing i was like no screw the subtitles i know exactly what she's saying i know exactly like she what what, what she was saying is you swear she burned down this the city yeah. I, I just knew it like it was just it was phenomenal and they were able to get the comedy and the the tragedy in it you know and that kind of nearly like the debate you know like you know uh Chekhov is like the comedies and Stanislavski like no they're tragedies you know there's nearly a debate about the, with these two geniuses but you could yeah. see that in there and it was just phenomenal so I'm That's so great. happy I got to see how yeah I wish I wish you were there because it was yeah. you would have you would have loved it you would have really really loved it you know I, I saw a production of Uncle Vanya in Russian without subtitles on film Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, after watching it for 20 minutes, I just, I knew the story so well that yeah, I didn't need to hear it in English. <laughs> and it was phenomenal. It was yeah. the same experience you had. You know? And you know what? It breaks my heart when I see these things. I don't know. I'm a bit of a nerd with Shakespeare. I'm a Chekhov now. When you see them and you, you you see less work being brought in, you know, when you when you see people not understanding subtext or the circumstances, you're like, yeah. it's all there for you, you know. You just have to dig a little deeper. It's really, uh, when, when as an as a writer, Tim, what would your advice be for actors trying to get, you know, closer to a writer in the sense of understanding his script? understanding how, how to be how to be writer friendly because a lot of times we want directors to be actor friendly we want writers to be actor friendly we want to be able to be accessible for actors so they can understand but is there any way for an actor to be writer friendly and director friendly you know i, I think there's there's a couple of things i would say about that is that actors who are loved by writers really understand thematic ideas, the ideas that are the reason why the script was written in the first place. Yeah. They also understand what matters in the script. And the third thing is 
and they're able to make those moments that are so important. You know, like Tennessee Williams said that all plays come to a single explosion. And for the most part, he's right about that. You know, there's always a climax Mm -hmm. and the climax is everything. Yeah. And writers will love an actor that can communicate the soul of the script through that particular moment. But uh, um, yeah, I think that those those ideas are are crucial. And one other thing, it's that the nature of the writing is respected. And by that, I mean there will be a tone to a piece of writing usually. And when mm. that tone is has some sort of humorous elements to it, don't ignore them. Make mm. sure that you get the wholeness or the roundness of the right. script or the characters in, into your performance. And um, those are the things that will make you very valuable to a writer or a director. It's, well, one other thing is if you can communicate those themes you know that's going to be important if you can do that you're going to work right good some nice advice have you ever wanted to quit no 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 Uh, uh you know in the beginning i couldn't quit because it was life or death Right. I mean that sort of, sort of, figuratively, but sort of literally. I just felt like there wasn't really going to be any life without it. Um, but now I just, I just can't imagine another life. I, the need, the profound need to tell stories in the only, in the way I do tell stories, is overwhelming, and it can't be replaced by anything. I won't be able to walk away from that, you know? Yeah. And probably you can't do that either, Kian, you know? <laughs> no, I think, you know what? I, I've said it a few times before. I actually nearly envy people that can. I respect people that can because the the work that we chose to do not only is hard, but it's it's scarce. It's, it's really hard to be continually working unless you get lucky. Yeah. And for someone to drop an ego aside or drop it and go, look, I love acting, but I want to actually have money and I want, I, I'm able to live without acting. Right. I say, you know what? You are the luckiest person in the world because <laughs> I can't, I can't, I know that I would die if I didn't do this. Right. And it's so hard to explain this to family, you know, and, and, and the people that aren't like that, you know, like just explain it to my, my parents. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not about, wanting to be famous that's not what about that's not what acting is about but i just can't not do it i can't i I can't not stop talking about plays i can't not stop questioning i can't not stop thinking about in my head what would this be like on a film or or a stage this thought that i have you know but if you weren't an artist what do you think you would be um well, you know, I always had a desire to be a sports writer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're a big Lakers fan. Big Lakers fan. Yeah, I'm a big Lakers fan. And uh, I just, for some reason, the drama, the theater of sports just moves me deeply and right. powerfully. So I, I, when I was a kid, I wrote articles that were published in the little neighborhood newspaper about 
different sporting events. Wow. And uh, they didn't pay me, yeah. but they published them. And I was very happy about that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I would be doing that. But I, I was always moving away from that, even though I loved it so much. Ian. Yeah. And I didn't know wh- why I was moving away from it, but but I began to realize, and I think this is true for a lot of people who do what we do, they they are moving towards something that they don't even understand Mm. that doesn't seem real to them. And it didn't seem real to me, the possibility of being an actor or of telling stories. It never seemed plausible or anything else like that. It wasn't even on my radar, but at one point it just became impossible to ignore the need to do this. Right. So, yeah. So can I ask, vaguely who inspires you you know and i know i'm gonna say one person i'm gonna guess one person okay because we have a a similar note emily dickinson yeah someone that very inspires you as a writer right oh yeah so we we both love emily i know i know that's true but who who else inspires you uh check off um emily dickinson you know Emily Dickinson, um, Walt Whitman really does it for me. I, uh, and I'm sure that was drilled into you by um, Joanne, um, <laughs> Joanne, because we were not allowed to do anything unless it was Walt Whitman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think uh, from an acting perspective, it's always the actors that, um, you know, do deep character work, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And that's always inspirational to me. Great writing always inspires me, and you can see such great writing these days. Yeah. Um, on uh, all the streaming and all that stuff, you can see some bad stuff too, but you see a lot of really remarkable stuff. You know. Have you seen uh, the Queen's Gambit? Yeah, yeah. I that really enjoyed that. Really. Enjoyed I also that. thought Normal People was fabulous. Ah, you, know? you seen Normal? I actually haven't got around to watching it fully, so. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it was yeah. crazy for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I I guess, you know, the people, people that inspire me are always those people who take a leap, like August Wilson always inspires me. Right. Because, uh, Kushner, Tony Kushner inspires me, you know? Yeah. Um, Sarah Rule is a great playwright here in the States, and I don't know if she's done that much in England, but she is, inspires me a lot right. uh, and moves me. And Annie Baker is another one of those playwrights that moves me a great deal. And they, they, um, it, it's something that I, you know, I, I, I aspire to those kind of writers, you know. Right. How important is it that actors, um, you know, be inspired or, or take on board and, and, and start researching writers and poets. And Because I remember Stella saying, you have to enjoy other art than our art. You know, you can't just like acting. You have to understand what it's like to live yeah. and to be moved by, you know, paintings and writing. And Because you're very moved by writers. You're very, yeah. you know. But, you know, you, you know uh, Kean. Poetry is our language. Mm. 
And when actors fall out with poetry and they're not, they don't communicate poetry or they don't work with poetry or they don't read it or learn it, yeah, then, you know, the world suffers because we are the conduit for the, between the poet and the audience uh, yeah. most of the time, you know? And I think hip hop is a great example of that. But uh, when we, when I think of um, poetry, I think about it in terms of being philosophy shadow. You know, it's right. it's like a, it's like an idea that cuts to the depth of a moment um, that makes me understand this world in a deeper and more interesting and provocative and profound way. So is that why you've done the poetry exercise when we were in class? You made us recite this poem, you know? You know, because I was given poetry by Stella's, by Joanne. Yeah. And if if uh, and if I hadn't part of the prof part of the amazing movement at Stella's for me as a human being was connected to poetry. Right. And how could I not? try and help you guys with that because you know I mean, all it takes is a little spark you know it's so crazy what i can i remember when i did i did a sunflower sutra and just how moved i was when i finally understood it but i didn't understand it here in my head it's, it, it was like a shockwave to my heart and yeah. i remember i got really emotional because of what it was and <laughs> I think poetry is a great way to understand script analysis. Yeah, yeah. You have to dig deep, you know. You really do have to dig deep. And when I when I when I figured it out, I remember another moment in Stella when I got that was when I was doing Zoo Story. Oh man, I wanted to give up. If if there was any time I wanted to give up, it was when you gave me Zoo Story because yeah. there was a, there was bits you could get. And it was bits I was just missing. I was just missing. I know like some people are like, oh, that was great. Can you did a great job. I was like, no, but it's, it's missing something. It's missing the real life. I'm getting him. I'm getting his movements. I'm getting the character. I'm actually even getting his inner struggles. But there's something deeper. And that's the poeticness of it. There was something so deep. And it was actually when I, I, I read Stella's book, when she was talking about him, and she was taught, I thank God, Stella mentioned um zoo story in in her, one of her books oh it saved my life because it clicked with me and i had to record it. i remember i started crying when i read it I, and i recorded it so i never forgot it but but it was it was like who was i speaking for speaking all these people that you know he talks about the the the, the camp uh, black man is speaking for these people yeah and as soon as i got that i was like okay now to him i I, I can do something right and it's because of poetry and I, I i just i'm very grateful that we got to understand that we got that level of of, of teaching of of how uh, great poetry is could you name five poets that are like detrimental for actors in your opinion for anyone listening that is interested well i you know, uh, Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Shakespeare. You know, Shakespeare's the greatest of all the poets. Um, and uh, then 
sometimes uh, the Russians move me a great deal. Pushkin is really amazing. There's a, there's a um, Polish poet who just passed away uh, like three or four years ago named Wisława Zimborska. Yeah, she won the Nobel Prize and yeah. she moves me a great deal. I love Yeats. Um, I love Yeats. I'm glad you said that. Because <laughs> yeah, I think he's the best. <laughs> yeah, I think Yeats is a genius. Um, and, and I have a real, real soft spot for Dylan Thomas because, and Pablo Neruda, of course. These kind of poets are, you know, they they bring brought life to me, you know. Right. So. I have a question from a friend of mine. So I just put up on Instagram. Hey, look, I'm having a you know a writer, director, actor, and and teacher on. And she says, maybe you can help. I I kind of talked to her about it anyway. But she says, as someone who trained in the UK and would like to work in the states, I'd like to know what they think the major pitfalls of British drama school trained actors are when casting and how would they advise British actors to work to deliver successfully casting in that, in the States? Is that something you could say that? You know what I've been seeing Kian, and I don't know if this is the reality on the ground in London, but what I see watching a lot of English TV over here off of Netflix or whatever, Mm -hmm. or, you know, obviously the, the great actors that are coming from England right now, that the training has been uh, I, don't, I don't know that the training changed, but something happened. I, I guess it happened because of Brando, you know, uh, or De Niro or, you know, yeah. that that all of a sudden what you were getting from English actors was this amazing sense of something that uh, is very well-spoken and true, but also as deeply soul-connected as what American actors uh, were doing. Um, and I think that, I think the one thing to consider if you're going to start to break into work in the States is just making sure that you're able to get the depth of a moment. And I think that's that's something anybody coming from anywhere is going to need to do. As far as as far as what's what's happening with the English system, I suppose it depends on where you're studying and it's yeah. Just like here, you know, it's just Yeah, I would agree. I mean it's there's a lot of great schools in, in the UK and there's a lot of not great schools but very similar in, in Los Angeles I actually think in Los Angeles there's not a whole lot of great schools there's some great teachers that are doing privates and then you have Stella and you have a few select schools but it's not the same as London where it's like university 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 right you know maybe a little bit more in New York would be that yeah, kind of maybe, university. you know I don't I don't know what's happening in New York right now, but I, I, I do think this, the one thing I would say to anyone who wants to be an actor is that any kind of process you get, it takes a little time, maybe a year, year and a half, two years to make that your own. And really a process is about how do you connect to the circumstance and the depth of that. Yeah. And if you if you uh, don't feel strongly about that, then your work is not complete yet, you know. Right. Um, 
And then again, you want to be challenged from a circumstance point of view. And that's really critical, you know, that, that I think one of the things that can be lacking here in Los Angeles and some of the other places is a real understanding or a real um, uh, powerful need to dig for the depth of circumstance, you know? And that yeah. might be happening in London as well. I don't know, but certainly it's happening in New York because I have students that go there and they're a little, they can be disappointed right. where, where they are, you know? Yeah, I remember when I first started acting, we had a, a film class where we just had to study film. And we, we studied Tom the Waterfront and the famous glove scene. And this just blew my mind from, I was 17, I was like, this lad is a god. This man is a god. And I said to my friend Luke, who was actually producing uh, these for me, um, still great friends, I said, I'm going to go to Stella Adler one day. Actually, I didn't. I said, I'm going to go to Stella Adler next year. That's where I want to go. When I finish here, I'm going to go to Stella Adler. And I didn't. It took me a few years, but it was always my dream to, to go here. And it definitely didn't disappoint. Um, but it was because of seeing Brando. I think a, a lot of us in Ireland and the UK were just just really influenced by it. You know. Yeah, and I, I think it, it caused a shift in training probably all over the world. And yeah. I'm not positive about that, but Brando was um, a life-changing moment for actors. Yeah. It really was, you know. And all it was was specificity, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to minimize Brando because, but Brando had a, a great intuitive talent that was grounded in a very specific process and it just made him so remarkable of course he was beautiful and that was another piece <laughs> of it do you know what i mean be beautiful but, that's another one to get into right. i mean you can't you can't watch brando and not think oh that guy's what is it about that guy you know it's something coming at you yeah yeah what it is is this sort of intense sort of every man beauty that I think people really grabbed hold of. And, uh, but, but it was also because he was their neighbor. Right. He was, you know, yeah. You know, I still can't get over his performance as Stanley. I'm still puzzled yeah. by it and, and blown away by it because I, I never, that, that he's the only person I think that could ever interpret Stanley in the way that he did. Right. He didn't judge Stanley. No. And that's one of the biggest things we also learned. I remember Laura telling us, if you judge a character, you can't play them. Right. And funny enough, I think. Yeah. Adea, we were doing Summer and Smoke, and Adea just said, honestly, she's like, I don't like um, Alma. It's like, right, then you can't play her. You have to be Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> and she did a great job being Nelly, but... Yes, yeah. you're very like if you judge your character, you can't play them because you've yeah. already blocked yourself. You've already married something, yeah. you know, and, and you're gonna play that certain way. And yeah, I mean, I think I did a better job than, than Brando uh, Stanley, but we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. what um, what was one of the proudest moments in your career? I. You know, I think um, I've had moments that really were important to me on stage. Yeah. Like I, 
the second play I ever wrote. We were doing it at a theater and I was playing this guy and he was trying to uh, rescue uh, a woman he had loved in high school and it was their high school reunion and he was trying to get her to go to the reunion with him but she was being held captive by her family who didn't want her going anywhere it was really a very difficult story about an about alcoholism and I remember knocking on the door and the lights were off in the place you know this is on stage and knocking again and telling her to please come I'll see her there or whatever and as I'm walking off the stage this it was a beautiful small theater and there's a the the porch was on the front of the stage the way the director conceived it and as I was walking off I heard somebody in the audience say go back they whispered go back you know yeah and that really moved me but then there's also this I you know I when I directed anything this film I directed and wrote uh, I didn't think I could do that. And so I'm very, very proud of that, you know, right? <laughs> because I did do it and I was surprised. That I, was I actually able. just watched anything a few months ago with Racina. Um, again, and it's a beautiful movie. Thank it you. is a beautiful movie. And I mean, it must have been hard because you did get some. Some knockback, you know from 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 the trans community and how how do you how did you deal with that sort of pressure that some people you know may not have been happy with the casting, the casting? i was really happy and, and this is going to sound disingenuous and it's going to sound like i'm full of shit but i was surprised by the blowback and then i was happy about it because it was bringing trans rights right into the picture of the film mm. and the movie is about that right. and uh, the only problem i think is that it kept people from watching it and it kept people from embracing it as fully as they would have right because there was a, a non-trans actor matt bomer who i thought was fantastic in the film yeah um and i, I think that that's how i started to situate it uh, in my heart first of all, and in my mind, Kian, that it was something that was good for the film or good for the for the struggle for trans rights. And so that's how I thought about it, you know, and uh, yeah. I still think about it that way. Yeah, I think people, I, I continue to hear from people who see the film, they're moved by the film, and that's really gratifying, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> when I uh, first seen it, when I heard about the kind of pushback, I was... Honestly, I was a bit, you know, surprised myself because I was like, it's frustrating because, you know, this community is speaking against it, but it's, this movie is entirely for that community and it really hurt me and like my naivety kind of was like, you know, no, they should be grateful for this. But I guess, you know, when you take a step back and you do understand, it's like, it's hard, you know, when you, when you, when you try and kind of have empathy for a certain community and try and live your life in the shoes the best way you can not being from that community i mean i think now i understand why i think i understand that it's not you know that they have a problem with matt bomer it's the problem is is that 
they want more transgender people to have that opportunity. And when you take, when you know, when you when you stop getting offensive about it, because I, I was defensive because I loved the movie, because I loved you. When I stop getting offensive about, it, I realize, you know what, I I get it. You know, it's not, then it's not they're not in the wrong. You know, you tried to do something that was beautiful, but they are also trying to do something that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, and and again, because of the protests, you know, people, it, it, you know, I, I would think that if you were to think about the struggle for trans rights by trans artists, anything was a, an important moment. And um, I know that sounds ridiculous that, uh, and I'm not taking credit for that movement, but I, I don't have any problems with the protest that the, that the film experienced, you know, I, I don't. It, it's still there. It's still the movie that I wanted to make. Mm. And also it was a lightning rod for that kind of criticism. Yeah. And I'm actually glad for it. You know, yeah. I, I'm glad that it happened. I don't like how it fell out as far as my career goes as far as a writer and director, but I can't be anything but happy about how the movie yeah. is received when it's seen but also that particular idea, it's, it's yeah. important. Yeah, and I would encourage anyone that is watching to watch the movie. It's on Amazon Prime, um, anything. And it's a beautiful cast. It's a beautiful script. And you just heard the, the insides of, of the writer in his heart. So please have a look at that. Yeah, I, I watched it the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, I can't believe this is on. So I wanted, I actually, you know what? Funny enough, I don't know if I told you, I actually did. Um, I was trying. To, I was going to do a monologue from it, from oh. Obama's character, because um, I was doing a workshop that was saying play against cast. So I decided to play a transgender role, oh, and it went phenomenal. And I moved it, and I'm very glad I did it because I said, and I have the recording. You know, I said, look, I feel you know the the the, the guy who's running the workshop <clears throat> and a lot of people, you know, gave me some were really happy and gave me some great feedback and I, I but I did say to them because I did you know I was thinking about the the what happened with that um with, with, with your film I actually ended up doing a different monologue by the way but that's what spurred me on but I said look I'm really glad I did this because it gives me a chance to to try and figure out as much as I can about this character but I said I don't think I would try and do this um, in a professional aspect because of the fact that there's not a lot of transgenders that get the opportunity to do this and, and it's something that isn't as close to me but I, I'm so happy that I got to try it and it's such a I think it's such a grey area now for actors you know because we do want to do all these big things you know we want to play people that are so against us like you know if we got the opportunity you know you'd want to play a person of color or or a person uh, you know of a, the opposite sex or, or or you know you want to play blanche because you want to push yourself and you yeah. want to experience that and i think it's just hard because sometimes you have to take that passion and just push it back for a little bit to show that that's great but some people that you want to play those people aren't getting the same opportunities as you right you my know, so. i need to do something like that is not as <clears throat> important is their need to exactly 
apply their trade. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah. I think I learned that. I think I'm still learning that because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm egotistical in a way. You know, I think all <laughs> actors, we are a little bit egotistical and I want to be the next, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis. I want to, I'm next brand. I want to break boundaries. But I also believe, and as what you guys taught me, is that, you know, we're not just here to break boundaries in, in, in what we can do, but we're here to fight for what all of us were, should be able to do. So it's it's a constant you know battle yeah i mean the most maybe the most ridiculous thing i've said during this podcast kian is that i think i could play the shit out of blanche <laughs> i think you could play the shit out of blanche <laughs> you know <clears throat> laura levy told me a story that um she was talking about you know you know judging characters and don't judge them and, and they were doing a script analysis and, and some guy goes i want to play blanche and she said no you, you can't play blanche <laughs> and he, he kept begging it better and she turned around and she goes okay i'm gonna give you a shot to play him play play blanche but you better fucking play blanche she said i don't want any any stupid ridiculous acting i want blanche and she said i was nearly angry because he was the best motherfucking blanche i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah it's crazy i'll yeah. tell you what i reckon you should do a uh, a monologue from Blanche and record it for us. Well, I would love to do that. And you know, you know, let me. I have a play, mm. and it's a one-act play, and it's Blanche in the asylum. Wow! And at some point, Blanche, um, at some point, she begins to take off the costume, and. It's a writer named Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you need to send me this over. I want to read that play. Right. It's a little crazy. Yeah. Well, Tim, I've kept you here for so long and I could keep you here for another five hours. And I, I like, you know, I, I'm sure that when I finish this podcast, I'm going to be like, oh, I should, I should have asked him about this and about that and about this um, because there's so much. And before I let you go, I want to say this. <clears throat> I want to say thank you very much. Because you have truly changed my life in terms of how I I I comprehend things as an actor and but how I comprehend things as, as a person. I really have changed. I, I really have understood what it's like, what it means to fight for the character or to fight for the person or to fight for the theme rather than to fight for how good my own character looks. You know. And that's yeah. all because of not just you, but the school, but but you've done a lot and, and you continue to do it and you continue to make great, great actors. And I'm very proud um, that I was, I was able to, and honored that I was able to, to learn from you. And I'm very grateful and I can never repay you, but I just want to say, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for you, Tim, honestly, and just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a great job. And I mean, I wouldn't be half the actor I, I I am now, and that I'm I'm trying to be. If I didn't if I didn't go to Stella, so I do recommend anybody, please look up Tim, please look up his plays, please look up the the school if you're ever in the states because, um, it is amazing and you know we always appreciate support any anything you can do to support us because I want to make sure that you know Stella Adler Academy, 
is one for the next hundred years, you know. <laughs> so, man, thank you. That's that's amazing. And you know, if I could just say one last thing, my happiness is directly related to how I learn from my students. And that's not just bullshit. That's actually the truth. It's an amazing thing to be able to teach hungry young minds, you know, and yeah. I, pre I appreciate it so much. Thank you, man. Oh, my pleasure. Do you have any sage piece of advice for anyone listening before we leave? Any words of wisdom? Um, so I think the main thing is that you are much more than you believe you can be, uh, that your work is so important to you uh, as a human being, and the specificity of the work is everything for an actor. And the more specific you get in your process and how you approach the work, the better you will be. But we're in a fight for our sense of what's right and wrong in this world. And actors are needed in that fight to tell those stories that matter, you know. So keep working and find places where you can really work. And one other thing, for all the actors out there, never let somebody take your work from you. Never. Mm. Just keep working and work towards specificity and depth and you'll live a beautiful life honestly i hope that helps uh, i don't know yeah. no i'm sure it does i meant for that okay <laughs> brother well i'll let you go okay thank you Kia. hopefully i'll see you soon or hear from you soon or we get the chance to work together on anything so if you're ever yeah. on zoom and you need someone to help read something just let me know because i Absolutely. I can't wait to work with you again. Yeah, we, we'll talk because we, we have stuff going on, yes? Awesome. Okay, brother. God bless. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thank Bye -bye. you. Cheers. Bye. There's so many talented people on Understudy. And there we have it, the amazing Tim McNeil. Thank you so much for jumping on, Tim, and talking with me. It's always a pleasure, and I can't wait to pick your brains some more over the next couple of years. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening in. I hope you really enjoyed it. There you have it, Tim is so profound, so amazing, so in love with acting and with, with theatre and film. So thank you all for having a listen. I really hope you gain something from it, I know I have. It's always great to come back and be able to talk to your teachers after you've learned from them and went out into the industry and, and practiced what they've preached to you. So um, I know in, in my career right now and in my work right now, I really do take in a lot of what Tim has has told me and, and put that into practice and now for our next guest our next guest is the amazing Jason Kelvin Jason is a set designer but all around legend handyman problem solver and um, he's an amazing and incredible artist and what he can do in a with a a little bit of material in a space is phenomenal so we talk about what it's like being a set designer and creating things and if you are interested in art if you're someone who loves art or someone that's that's studying art at the moment and you maybe don't know 
what exactly you want to do with it, please have a listen because Jason talks about what it's like to be an artist in in the industry and to work with your hands. And I think it's great for people that want to that don't know what to do but want to be involved with art or creating or sculpting in some way. This is a, a great guy to talk to. He's an amazing person, really beautiful human being and he's so philosophical and he's so passionate about what he does so please give him a listen he's going to be amazing and that's going to be on next wednesday tune into instagram we'll give you another update and thank you very much everyone i hope you guys have a great rest of your week there's so many talented people on understudy